we go around the world stumbling fumbling pushed by all kinds of forces we speak without stepping back without a thought we live and breathe so mechanically caught up in the wheel of circumstance driven by the whiplash of desire carried by the compass of ego at the mercy of every surface event this is called living outward and we are very familiar with it all of us but there is another way to live and um, it's a lot more conscious way a way which actually eventually leads even to a mastery not only of our own nature but also our circumstances very often when we think of living from within outwards we think it's a certain attitude which helps us to face life yes no doubt about it it helps us to face life go through it without too many perturbations fluctuations some will come but they will pass through the surface but there is another aspect of it and that is a mastery conscious mastery over circumstances it can extend to any extent to take two examples one more mundane and the other of course divine first the divine example mother describes uh, an event which took place in the ashram context when a terrible storm was raging many of us have heard this but it's a good reminder and some probably may may not have heard this terrible storm was raging outside and uh, the mother went to shirvinder's room that because of the storm things may be flying what may be happening she went to shut the windows and what met her eyes was something very amazing amazingly powerful the windows were open the storm was raging shubindu was sitting on his chair and writing on the table not a drop of water is entering inside what mastery is that where even an outer event circumstance is as if kept at bay in her own life mother recounts number of such instances once when she is uh, about to step out of the car and suddenly she stops something stops her she was we do these acts very mechanically the other day i think someone spoke about partho was mentioning why there are accidents very good i thought uh, you know that was really a wonderful question why there are accidents unconsciousness something stops her and then she looks carefully and there is this beautiful danger in the form of a snake right there normally she would have stepped over the snake and that would have been a different story not end of the story certainly but a very different story she stopped a lot of us have these examples in exceptional moments of exceptional protection and grace but these happens in mother and shobindo it's a different story altogether but at a mundane level we all experience things like that and it happens mainly as an intervention of grace we were unconscious but someone was conscious and that someone holds us as it were prevents an inevitable tragedy crash of circumstance but uh, there is a way that we can be more conscious and it it has the power to change circumstances let's take another monday now a monday example 
the mother says uh, you are going in a car actually this happened with someone who who died in a crash and the mother says you are going in a car and suddenly you see from front a vehicle which is coming and you know sometimes you get a feeling that this is going to uh, crash into each other what is the normal response we make as human beings ah and she says we end up with the crash we project ourselves outward and by projecting outward we put ourselves entangle ourselves in the net of play of forces which are going on outside there is a whole different levels at which the net of forces are working and there is the most outward net of forces all kinds of forces beings behind it she speaks about it at length so many places particularly in savitri beings who like to create accidents who put like a bandage over the eyes people suddenly go off to sleep or they fail to see and they wonder what happened and they love it because that's their task that's their joy for them this is soap opera nothing else and she says at that moment if you just step back instead of ah ma this gesture she says either there will be no uh, tragedy is averted or at the nick of moment it just grazes and passes by and perhaps something very minor takes place what could have been very major i am sure all of us have uh, experienced this i have number of times plenty number of times this this kind of events once even as a child youngsters just one of them where how these things happen as a 20 or 19 year old and i didn't know about yoga i had not turned to mother and shirbindo but see how the divine is behind us i enter into a train compartment as the compartment opens and i'm the first one to enter suddenly my feet get arrested literally arrested at that moment i don't realize what when and others go past me and within a moment there is a hue and cry and everything and nobody knows what happened so after a while i also start walking and i see that uh, there was actually a robber sitting inside with a dagger waiting for the first person to come in which logically technically should have been me and he stabbed whoever was the first first person snatched the bag and ran away but when i look back what really arrested the whole movement so we don't realize that we are caught up all the time in a web and this web drives us and weaves our fate events not only within but also outside a simple thing like eating food many of us eat in a hurry and sometimes checking our emails as doing that today <laughs> sergey just put the computer <laughs> but in general it's not a good thing to do because uh, when we are eating in a hurry the entire process is very very mechanical or if we are watching a serial it's a purely you know we are eating all that is going on we in in sanskrit there is a very interesting word for food and it is called aahara and aahara is not only food but everything you take within so if we are eating we are not only eating food but having all kinds all the discussions that we are having we are also eating this also food once um, vijay bhai was telling me this very interesting story about his father he said mother i am able to uh, remember you for most of the moments but you know when i eat i forget what do i do and mother asked him 
Do you sit with others and eat? Yes, mother. No, you eat alone. And from that day onwards, he started eating alone. We have now so many pills for digestion, so many first we create diseases that we rush to doctors. But the simple act of eating alone, if possible, it may not be possible in every circumstance. But at least in quietude, even if we are engaged in talking, nowadays of course the culture of luncheon meetings, because everybody is hard pressed for time, it's a back to back time, so let's grab a bite and sit together and eat. From the inner point of view, it is not healthy. Of course, there is a way of life which is, I mean, we are nobody to judge or comment upon it. But to eat and eat consciously, just one simple act, every day we are doing it. There is a very nice, uh, I mean, with every sip, it's not that we are not talking, but even while speaking, every sip, I mean, I learned it uh, in a very interesting way. I observed, uh, normally when we eat, we offer. This is a uh, uh, beautiful thing. The whole idea is again to connect the act of eating to the divine. Offering is, we have been talking about it and much of what we have spoken yesterday and the previous two days, last three days, all about uh, living consciously from within outwards. But um, I'll tell you how things can, uh, still there, there are things which we don't know. At least for me, it was a revelation. When I saw a person for whom I had high regard as a person with a rich inner life and normally we would uh, do pranam, sit and eat after offering and he started eating. Now see my stupid mind and it for a moment started judging. Oh, he is not offered the food. <laughs> a lot of people may be doing it. Uh, now with me because I have learned that technique from him. <laughs> so he he could get the thoughts. He had this capacity to read thoughts. And many other such faculties he had. If you had a letter in front of him, he could know all the contents of the letter. And uh, I have tested him that what's going on across the wall and he'll tell you exactly. In fact, he used to tell that, you know, you know, it's better you don't read any anything in front of me because I get to know him. It was too much of information over, over lot load for him. And a disciple of Mother and Shivinda. I'm not speaking of any other because I don't have that kind of contact with anyone else. So he caught my thought and he said, you know what? You can offer the food with every morsel. I said, this is something very nice. I never thought of it like that. I thought I've done my duty offering the food. And now I am eating and I am enjoying and I am uh, criticizing others and enjoying the rest of somebody's ninda or praise and all the nonsensical little things, not sweet little things, but bitter little things which we take as caffeine into our system. But this was a different uh, revelation to me that every morsel can be offered. So very often I try it. Sometimes one succeeds and it's not something which is visible on the surface. You can continue to eat. It's amazing that just like on a computer screen we can open many windows. There are many levels at which we can coexist and we do coexist. And part of becoming conscious is that at different, different levels, simultaneously we are aware. Because this is one of the questions that people have in mind that, you know, if I am engaged in outer action, how do I remember and I forget? It is just a question of training and practice, nothing else. If we value the inner and make this inner life rich, through an act of interiorization, offering, whatever means, to simply an aspiration, seeking, consecration. Then his background state develops. It's like a luminous little something behind us. And there is a separation between what we are doing outwardly and what is going on inside. Amazing, both things together.
One is speaking and one is conscious. One is conscious inside not only of the present but also of the whirlpool of forces that is going on. And this consciousness can go to any extent. I am sure, I mean I am not speaking something new. I am sure plenty of us experience this. But this is just that it's good to sometimes look at it and maybe try to deepen it more and more. In the ashram context, people used to go for exercise and I am sure a lot of people do here and the other day we were having this talk. Somebody asked a question about you know, people do treadmill and they use the word cardio. I have done my cardio, treadmill. And um, what happens when we do it? We feel, ah, I have given my heart an exercise. Very few pe people know that there are persons who have dropped dead while doing the treadmill. Treadmill is not really meant to... <laughs> clean up the heart vessels. It's a, it's a misconception. And on top of it, behind it, there is the fear. Oh my God, if I don't do it, you know, there are people who, if they don't do one day, they feel fear. It's another thing that the body feels the need. That's a different thing altogether. I'm not speaking of that. Whereas, this state of consciousness, which is full of fear, it itself creates problems. I know people who are leading, doing everything right. And they've come, as a doctor, they've come and asked me. I, I am a paka vegetarian. I don't drink. I don't smoke. No vices. I run every day. So much. Why did I get a heart attack at 60? So I caught him there. How much do you run? He said, well, about two hours. I said, that's it. That's the reason. You are not exercising. You are stressing your system. There is a difference between exercising and stressing the system. I am still talking of very mundane something. Look how the inner consciousness. Because one is afraid. One has this natural tendency. Oh, if I, It's like you know, people who um, make a wall to protect, build a wall around to protect against robbers. Then they become little more paranoid and they electrify the fence. Then they become little more paranoid, post a guard. Now you know there is a limit. If you go beyond it, it becomes counterproductive. So, uh, and there are ways and means things still come up, come inside. In Nairobi I had this, uh, first time I saw because you know of the big divide between the rich and the poor. So those who are rich, they electrify the, you know, gates and all. So I asked like, you know, uh, what if one day you forget to switch off and by mistake. Anyways, he told me that doesn't happen. I said, uh, so these thieves, uh, they must have devised some way to get past it. He said, yes. I said, what do they do? He said, nothing. They just throw a blanket over it and they scale. <laughs> throw a blanket over it. I mean, it's not a high voltage current. And they know how to get past. That's all they need to do. So, you know, we get into complacency that we have done. But we have really not done what needs to be done. So, very often when we do it, we get lacks on many other issues which are more important. So, it's like a false complacency. This is one part of it. So, in ashram context, people used to do a lot of exercises when the playground came up and, you know, I'm building my body, I've done this. Even now, plenty. It's like because life has this mechanical, it falls into mechanical routine. I'm going to the gym. Why? To shape up my body. It's, it's come up. It's very unfortunate, but it's a fact. A lot of people now go to the gym to shape up their bodies. So the mother waiting, waiting that one day my children will <laughs> grow up, become conscious. Finally, somebody asked the mother, why do we do exercise? Look how long we take to understand. She says, I was waiting for someone to ask me. And then she gives a totally different sense to it. To build consciousness in the cells. Number one. Two, to awaken the physical consciousness. So 
So very often when we don't do any kind of physical exercise or physical workout in some way or the other, uh, it, there is a whole range of it by which we can awaken the body consciousness. And we do things unconsciously and one day when we fall sick, we suddenly call for grace, peace, nothing happens. So we end up blaming the divine. But Mother and Shubindo tell us that look, in this play, there are two ends of the game and a whole lot of things in between. We cannot ignore, divine doesn't play with marionettes. He's not like, it's not a puppet show, it's a real show. It's a real thing. So there is a part we have to do. There is a part divine will do. And there is a whole play. He has to act through it. He cannot just... Uh, I mean with some people he does it. There were three persons in the ashram. Uh, one of them is still there. Whom uh, mother has said that... Um, don't say anything to these people. Because if you hurt them... It is like a direct blow on my own body. So this was an exceptional circumstance. And one of them had this privilege who still is there, who uh, has experienced things like roof collapsing and somebody picks him up and throws him against the wall so that he is saved. Now, this kind of an unconditional protection is a different thing. Some have it, like Arjuna had it. But by and large, there are two ends. If we have not done, awakened the physical consciousness, it is not receptive. Peace comes, grace comes, light comes, stops. Because everything is closed in a dense mass of unconsciousness. Now if it pierces it, the body may shatter because all through it has not remained open at all. Whereas those who do some kind of a physical culture, simple thing, the best exercise is walking, nothing to beat it. And recommendation says we are at it because this question should not be left unanswered. 45 minutes to 1 hour a day is max. Nothing more is needed. At the pace of about 4 miles in 1 hour. 4 kilometers, sorry, in 1 hour. If one does that, in fact they say even 5 days a week, it's fine. As far as the heart and other things are concerned. It's different that one wants to do more, one is used to more. It's perfectly valid. Partha is leaving, so our very best wishes, prayers. Thank you, Partha. Have a safe trip. Yeah. I want to ask a little bit more on this treadmill. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come, I'm I'll not, come. I'm not quite at ease yet with your statement. Uh, Suppose that you don't do a lot of exercise and you suddenly, and you are told one should exercise somewhat each day. Walking, of course, granted is the best. But if one uses a treadmill not pushing oneself too far, too fast. And at the same time, keeps invoking the mother. What do you feel then? Okay, so first we'll, we'll split it into two parts. See, invoking the mother is a wonderful thing. I mean, there can be no, no doubt about it. Also, doing it within body's limits is a very good thing. But let's just understand how it works and what it does. What is the real reason many people do to, you know, to make sure that heart remains in a good working condition? Now there are two things which are the heart works through the muscles and, uh, and the muscles work because of the blood supply. Now these blood supplies, uh, blood supply to the heart gets cut off for three main reasons. You'll see a lot of youngsters having a heart, heart attack these days. So one reason, of course, is stress, type A personality, life has become too much stressed out and that is one straight reason. Treadmill has nothing to do with it. In fact, people may get, increase their stress. Oh, I must do treadmill if I don't do it. So this is one part of it. By, you know, through this. Second is smoking 
and uh, you know sometimes these vessels constrict rapidly that is the second condition it's called vasospastic angina i must add i am not a cardiologist <laughs> i am a psychiatrist but nevertheless uh, i mean read about all this and been talking about it have lot of friends and so uh, that is the second part again treadmill is not going to do anything about it the third is cholesterol which and lipids which are accumulating in the blood smoking also adds to it smoking makes the vessels rough and precipitates this whole process many other conditions now this atherosclerosis process actually starts at 6 months of age goes on throughout life there is no clear cut evidence even that you know triple vessel disease blockage necessarily leads to death this itself is a big controversy a lot of people who have died of unrelated causes during post mortem they were found that they had triple vessel blockage but they never had any heart attack <laughs> so how much it helps doesn't help because in any case after the blockages are removed through cabg you are still given drugs you are still asked for lifestyle change if you are hypertensive you are on anti hypertensive you have to be on restricted diet you are on sorbitrate so what really has helped whether it's this or that it's a very debatable subject but that there is some controversy we will not go into that but the question part about treadmill it's not treadmill exercise is not opening the blood vessels it's not that by doing exercises the there is some special hormone which will clear the blood vessels the logic here is that how can we do a bypass because there is a blockage now i am not talking right now medicine there are medicine which you know dissolve the bypass which dissolve the clot and other things but and i am not talking of diet so that we don't mount up the cholesterol aspect but just the treadmill part now it has been known it was always known actually when i graduated I remember one of the first articles I read in um, uh, as a medical graduate was about this that uh, the recommended thing was the six months six months if you do this regular walk which I said five days a week uh, the heart tends to create a bypass because it's a living tissue you see what happens with most of us we deal with the body as a dead tissue it's, it sounds shocking. <laughs> as shocking as saying that krishna is dead heart is or we already deal with our body as if it is dead meaning thereby all the time something has to be done from outside and the body is doing nothing and we make it more and more dead by dead i mean inert tamasic unable to react by immediate pumping of medicines into the system little fever antibiotics heavy dose i have seen here people give very very high dosage they blast the system and it's not healthy i can tell you i mean it that means the body is constantly stunned by external agencies like a father who keeps giving lots and lots of money to a child eventually the child has, you know is just not able to do anything because he has everything provided a parrot in the cage unable to fly so over a period of time the heart is just simply or any body tissue is unable to bring out their own innate healing processes now with the heart if there is a blockage very naturally blood tends to find an alternate passage and if there is not one it will create one see that is the beauty new blood vessels grow it's known anastomosis i mean they grow in the brain they grow in the heart everywhere but there is a process to it they won't grow suddenly so treadmill is stressing the heart it's they will not open up like that but if one walks every day of course again the same principle will apply within the limits taking mother's name in walking that's the wonderful thing so slowly these vessels will grow one can even add an imagery that things are cleansing and you know the vessels are growing the power of the mind to be brought in course the divine but also the mind which is an intermediary uh, uh, substratum so then these blood vessels will grow and it will form a wonderful anastomosis so that is the principle now it's not that everybody who does treadmill will have a problem may not 
if one has a healthy heart, it's like, you know, there are people who do a lot of weights, perfectly fine. But we must know that we are basically stressing the heart and we do not know at what point of blockage the heart is. So if one was walking, there is a fair amount of chance that one will get some kind of a warning angina, so one will stop. But if one is on a treadmill, there is every possibility that there may be a massive heart attack instantly. That is a big difference. That is the logic behind it. Because, you know, at that point of time, heart is pumping fast. The very fact one is doing that kind of an exercise, heart is pumping fast. So it is stressed out. Cut off of the blood supply critically can lead to a sudden cascading effect. And what would have been in normal walking, the blockage leading to angina, where a person sat down next to a consulted doctor, said, you know, I experienced this pain, maybe a sudden precipitating event leading to sudden death. So arrhythmias, because already the heart is on an overdrive. This is just to, you know, about this treadmill part. I'm not saying one should not do or one should do. It's one's own uh, choice, but we must know what is happening. So does the walking... Best exercise. Uh, triglycerides, lipids. For triglycerides, lipids, best is high-fiber diet. And of course, cutting down on yeah, all that increases it. But most important, and that's where I come to this part of you know living from within outwards. We are just talking of a one activity, food. So mother says 90% of the time with regard to food, it is the thought which is important. I have seen it so, it's so true. Lot of people come and tell me, I have seen the triglyceride shooting up and they come and keep telling me, no, I don't eat and I know for sure they are not doing anything. I miss. It is amazing. So we live, you know, as I spoke about the outer net of forces. Now this net is a very interesting net. All the time there are new things added to the net. Not just the, like, just like the internet. <laughs> it's an unfiltered and all of us are party to it because we are so unconscious. Doctors very unwittingly, unconsciously, without anything has been substantially brought up immediately new discovery and people take a lot of pride you know they have discovered this now like sometime back people started talking about ghee is good some people know it is bad some people would say you know all milk products are to be banned it doesn't work like that so our minds are entering into a greater and greater confusion the surface consciousness in the bargain what is happening now look what is happening with the body Body has its own instincts. Anyways, we finish it as a child grows up. Now, there is a whole structure in the mind which has developed, which has replaced the instincts completely. And that structure is acting upon the body. It is a structure of ignorance. This is what we don't realize. That this is not knowledge. It's simply data and analysis of data which is being confused with knowledge. And what is worse is, not about here, because many of us are very conscious and we invoke the mother. Many persons who don't know, they don't realize that along with that there is fear, which every day is being fed. Oh, if I eat it, what's going to happen? My lipids will shoot up. People die so much out of fear. That's why in spite of all these precautions, you see what's happening. Hospitals are full. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> it's not that... You know, mortality rate has come down. Okay, you find another way to take care of that disease. You quickly do a bypass. But that's not, you know, really the conscious aspect of it. So she said, do things to become more and more conscious. Infuse consciousness into the cells. Simple thing like every day just to invoke her peace, not only within, but by the help of thought. She says thought is a vehicle. Actually, we don't realize like a motor car. What it carries is consciousness, that content of consciousness, some interesting vehicle given to man. So through thought and imagery, we can connect something which is imperceptible to us, immaterial to us, and bring it into contact with the cells. 
She has said this, that if you have pain, if you have a problem somewhere, you call peace and put it into that organ. Pranayama. You know, there is so many books being written, taught. Mother has given wonderful pranayama, which she has herself practiced. Anyone is aware of that? <laughs> Read it. And you see, we go so many places to learn pranayama. Mother has given a pranayama which she has practiced. <laughs> and she clarifies everything there. Simple. Simple pranayama. Even the whole, you know, she used to do 12, 12, 12, 12. And then the disciple asked, but isn't it dangerous? He said, oh, my child, they say all kinds of things. <laughs> and then that prana that she will draw. Now, you know, there is a pranayama where we think only breath. But it's not just about the physical breath. Prana, why they call it prana? Just as thought is a vehicle of consciousness. Physical breath is a vehicle of prana. So when we draw the breath, draw consciously, we can consciously connect to all the energy that is in the universe and draw it. And actually people get rejuvenated. One of the simple exercises which... I suggest to people and it many people do it spontaneously you know when they are tired what do people do they are feeling slumpy and then they get up and what do they do they just stretch themselves out like this take a deep breath you know it helps why does it help thought about it <laughs> you actually end up drawing whole lot of prana from all around and that's sometimes enough to simply awaken put you back how does it work now we can do the same thing very consciously. We are feeling very tired. All of us go through. Sometimes we have you know, late night sessions. And our Mr. Modi, <laughs> he has an interesting day. Yeah. Three, four hours a day. It's amazing, you know. So we can just draw prana. With that, bring that whole consciousness that it's not just breath. But I am drawing all that is around. This is one way. Of course, mother says that this is not the best way. You can, you know, draw from the source. So many things we can do. Then another simple way, this Pranabda, who did so much, you know, work on physical education and we know his special role in the yoga. And mother said, you know, physical transformation is indispensable for the physical transformation. He taught another kind of pranayama to some people. And of course, it can be done by anyone. He says, while you are walking, you do pranayama while walking. Simple. Breathe in, breathe out. And while breathing, you take mother's name. Just try everyday pranayama. You don't have to spend extra time doing it. Maybe next time we can try it. When we take some kind of a conscious walk, we need not speak, but we just practice this pranayama and come back and see how we have felt. It will be very good, but of course no talk. That's more for my defense because I can't do it here. Naturally, you know, we, we keep speaking, but we can do it. We can try it and practice it. In Ashtam it is of course very nice because on the seashore you can walk and except for hi and hello, you don't have to indulge. Similarly, when she was asked about asanas, she was asked, you know, whether these are exercises or they yoga. She said, no, it is not a particular set of exercises which makes them yogic. Any exercise done in the yogic, with the yogic attitude becomes yogic. Climbing the stairs, walking on the road. It's we who have limited it to only a set of exercises. We can do it all the time. So, you know, then we can dispense away. Look how they were bringing out the essential truth of things. That instead of, you know, sticking out, very often people say, yeah, we want to do asanas, but, you know, we don't have time. You know, real hatha yoga people do for hours. There is a hatha yogi in Bangalore who does for 8-8 hours. This is not hatha yoga. This is just a eyewash, make-believe hatha yoga that, you know, we are doing it. To that extent it helps because we believe we are doing something. But real Hatha Yoga, there are people in Bangalore who do it for hours, 8 hours. Because that's how it is to be done. That's why Hatha Yoga 
fell out of repute because it was not possible to realize the divine by who will take out that kind of time. It has its place even now, yoga part of it, but not as asanas only. But when we do actions consciously, then slowly the physical consciousness begins to awaken. It's, it's not an easy task because um, we have totally massacred it. It's a civilizational disease actually. On one side we are so so called conscious of the body, it's like in thing. People are very conscious of their bodies, but actually people are very unconscious of their bodies too. Say very frank. I, I mean, I can speak for myself. I've been extremely unconscious. Even the movements, everything. How the hands are moving, how the feet are moving, where they are going. And then I realized, really there is so much work to be done only on this plane. Walking consciously, gestures consciously, even mudras, they spontaneously develop. All these things is possible if we do the same thing with a different kind of a in-look. And that different in-look is when we do exercises to infuse consciousness. That is the aspiration. We offer it to them. We are not because of fear. Oh, if I don't do, what may happen? If it happens, happens. One day everything, will, something will happen. I always give this example, you know, people are so scared of dying. At 39, Vivekananda left his body. But leaving a stamp for centuries to come. Sri Ramakrishna Paramahansa in his 50s. Janina in her 50s. And mother has spoken so highly about her. That she brought in touch the new form. It was one of the problems on which mother was pondering and thanks to Janina's drawings. She said... It was the indication. Look at what a wonderful work she did. And only nine years actually active yoga she pursued. So to, you know, as she said, life is not measured by the number of years we live. So this whole attitude and approach needs to change, which puts us in the best possible condition. Again, illness, since we are at it. We do a lot of things again out of fear, clinging to life. And what does she say? The supreme science. This is a prayer in prayers and meditation. Where she says, But the supreme science, O Lord, is to leave ourselves entirely in thy hands without caring for life or for death. So somebody asked her mother, this is too big a statement. She says, yes, because that puts you in the best possible conditions. If you live, it has put you in the best possible conditions to help you live. But if for some reason you have to depart, you are in the best possible conditions to depart. Our Lord Himself, He left His body physically, if you see, at 78. There are plenty of people, you know, live past 80, 90. So what? Of course, the reasons for his uh, leaving the body are very different. We are not going into that part. But the point is this fear, which is the worst impurity in the cells. That two things, you know, Mother speak, spoke about the four Asuras, whose net, worldwide net, has caught human beings in its grip. And what are these four? One of them is unconsciousness. Second is, of course, falsehood. She says disease is falsehood of the body. To think about disease, to talk about disease, to become disease-centric is to actually perpetuate that falsehood. It's like that formation. It's not the way to really approach this. And then the third, of course, is suffering. This, he holds, he that asura, what he does by creating outer suffering, draws our consciousness outward. We are not able to go within. A little pain, a little difficulty and we are caught in its trap. Whereas we have to learn to disengage regardless of the suffering and regardless of the pain. And it's a practice of course. Without that it's not possible. And of course fourth is death. That of course is at many levels it operates. So to come out of the grip of that, first these three we can still tackle. Falsehood of the body, falsehood of the falsehood of the body, all the instincts are gone and it takes so much time. At least, I don't know, for me it's so 
such a difficult process even now i mean i have to figure out the body must feel whether i can take this food or not not because of fear or anything but spontaneously and if it says no i should say no despite the very tempting ice cream it's it just you know everything has been corrupted the natural instinct of the body and to bring that consciousness very very long process but nevertheless that is the way again there very often people have this question what if you one doesn't succeed well it is not for success <laughs> that's the interesting part it is for infusing consciousness into matter even if 100 persons don't succeed it will make it easier for the 100 first yesterday uh, dina was referring to this um, aspect when she spoke about the butterfly effect and the chaos theory she, she didn't use the words but she was basically referring to that about the interconnectedness she used the word interconnectedness it's so true this is our gift to posterity that when we have done something and we may not reap the fruits this that's why gita's first dictum not to live for the results is so wonderful and very often at least uh, i have this example before my eyes some people till the soil others sow the seed third water it fourth protect the plant fifth watch it grow and bloom but they die before they can eat the fruit and sixth eat the fruit so we may not taste the fruit and we will taste i mean not in this body just that we come sixth generation and we'll be happy that somebody somebody has done this work so this is also part of the work that we live consciously and we try to infuse consciousness into the physical matter we because the body is so unconscious we may never reap the benefits we may just walk out exit and people may say look this is what he was doing this is the result we don't have to worry about that but thanks to that work somebody will reap the benefits maybe 300 400 years down the line or maybe much earlier if more and more join so this is one aspect just i'm talking of food and physical consciousness when we try not succeed no problem sleep again the same thing unconscious sleep it doesn't rejuvenate it's so heavy at least i try a simple remedy and i can share that otherwise there are so many ways stretching out and all that but frankly you know after a whole day's work and watching these two mahadev and mahabharat you don't feel like doing all that <laughs> you're tired enough to do it though there are so many things bal mudra which is very nice the way a child sleeps with this hand all that i have read but frankly you know to try all that little bit stretching fine but beyond it when you are tired it's difficult but this is a very simple way so there is the pillow and now it's become like a second way that when i put my head on the pillow i am in mother's lap so no problem <laughs> what happens <laughs> morning will i whether i wake up or i don't wake up i don't care because it's in mother's lap is a simple way to sleep <laughs> of course we can add an aspiration mother make me fresh light for your service not for anything else so that i have the strength to do your service to love you better to serve you better so this is the, all this process from morning to so many mundane i think yesterday chirag had asked um, this question and he is not here but i'm sure at some point he'll probably receive the recording that uh, difference between mundane and spiritual existence in the higher truth there is no such thing <laughs> in the divine consciousness everything is divine in the least atom of existence um, i think yesterday or day before 1994 music we were hearing which ended with the door is open you have only to step in and there were you know this um, in each atom of existence there is this delight of existence but we are not aware of that even there is a delight of the body i don't know you know what it is i am i mean 
Uh, but Shubhendra speaks about it. I, and this is not uh, exercise and feel good. That is different. All of us experience it. <laughs> but there is like a delight that the body cells can experience. So there is so much. Same with speech. We talk about psychic discovery. And we instantly think of what is the process. How do I meditate? How do I sit? But what happens when we sit and meditate in real time? That's why the other day I was mentioning yoga is in real time. It's not a theoretical thing. It's not a book. Bookish knowledge. So, what happens in real time? People sit for meditation, and if they keep their eyes open, they are flooded by the sensation. If they keep their eyes closed, they are flooded by worse things. All the demons and jinns which are tied inside, they are set free. Thoughts, jostling, feelings going, you know, around. So, what does one do with these things? They trouble, they disturb. How to get past that? That is why mother says that everything that you do before you eat, before you speak, not only offer it, have a little aspiration, connect the food to, to the aspiration that may it nourish my being, my body. Also, when I speak, may this speech not become a cause of division, disharmony, disorder, untruth but become a source of light, hope, joy, harmony, order. In practices, before everything that you do, it should be like a brooding consciousness which is behind. And time to time to keep referring to that. And then over a period of time, this becomes a natural state. It's not something to be done separately. One does separately only to intensify what is going on anyways naturally. So then yoga and life, they just become interwoven into each other in the very texture. Actually, I thought I'll keep it as a question and answer session, but I see that, you know, it's just flowing. I would rather like to pause, have some question answers. Then probably we can take a little break, have a cup of tea, then come back and have home choir because, you know, then it will be a very different atmosphere. So... It's almost 10.30, quarter to 11. So can we have some questions on this? It's a very vast subject. Yes, can. Okay. Real quick on the health and food subject. I do seem to experience some pretty intense food intolerances. And I'm wondering what, did, you know, your opinion on this and yogic point of view, are these things, you know, embedded in the... Yeah, what, what experience you refer to? I, food intolerances. Food intolerances. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Of, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Of course. That's how allergies work. They start as allergies because there is a disharmony between the body and the substances we are taking. Then it is labeled as allergy. And then the mind becomes very strongly active. Then there is fear. So it complicates the whole thing. But uh, not only I believe I have seen it, actually I have done it with some people. And you can, if you really want, want to see how, to what extent the body can go. But you have to really cleanse every fear from the system. Start with a little bit, very little with prayer, offering, and put all the force of your will, that nothing will happen, nothing is going to happen. If you persist after a while, the body will begin to respond. Even you can give a very contrary suggestion. See, what happens with all these responses which become inbuilt? I think the other day somebody asked about chronic pain. Chronic pains are supported by subconscious formations. They're difficult to break. So one of the ways that is recommended is where that when you are about to sleep, that's a time to give suggestions. Give suggestions to the body. I'll be fine. There is no allergy. It's healthy. It's normal. And to tell your body not to react like that. This is if you really want to get rid of it. You start by saying this, then take a little bit. 
do this over a period of time your body will begin to accept go to the next level see what happens people have a food allergy so they they take either or either they don't take at all or they take a big morsel and they have an allergy but here you are trying to break a habit it's true of all allergies actually even people who have asthma this is how they get rid of it but most people for most people as i said it's a easier recourse because why bother like you know if you have a gluten allergy and there you know if it's fine uh, avoiding certain food so they don't go into it but this is just to uh, talking about how the body can operate so you have to go step by step with the body like again with rheumatoid arthritis or any other arthritis now the moment one walks one has pain so people don't walk and then the pain increases because you know now it goes more and more into inertia mode so if you have to break that you have to go step by step and mother gives this very beautifully that how to it in a different context she says how to increase your will she says go step by step and persevere you can lift this much 10 days you are lifting that much do it but 11th day try to do 1 inch more so that is the way now the advantage of this process is to start with it will augment your will it will awaken the uh, the strength to push yourself and that is something very beautiful so even when sometimes one doesn't succeed i'm not saying it won't i have seen it work with in amazing ways but sometimes it see there there no panaceas at this level i mean otherwise shobindu would not spend whole tapasya doing transformation so i keep telling there no panaceas no absolute rules which apply to everyone but the advantage of trying to master any aspect of oneself however small like gluten allergy is actually being on the road to supermanhood very interesting and mothers has said that all who are engaged in some kind of a self mastery are apprentice supermen these are her words why because you know i am reminded of this little story that somebody was walking up the story means is uh, somebody has written this story <laughs> it may not have happened but such things happen similar things so somebody was going up the hill and you know Uh, suddenly saw a huge boulder sitting in front and doesn't know what to do so he tries to push it then he is wondering how to find go beyond go past it and he hears this voice of god push he tries to push nothing happens pushes 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 tired maybe it was not god's voice shall i go back again he hears the voice more commanding i said push harder okay maybe so you know he's again does it this goes on for some time then suddenly after couple of days the voice tells him there is another way look that way so he finds there is another way and goes past so he questions like there was always another way it's not that you created another way why did you make me do this meaningless exercise so the voice tells him now look at your muscles you are going to take this climb you were not yet ready and fit you had to do this not so that you can i never said that you will remove the boulder i said push and push harder <laughs> it has developed you at a level which is going to be helpful later on so in life many things we do which don't help get the immediate result true yet they help our being to grow so at least that's an approach that's how i have understood and try to do things that even if it it may not help you in that immediate result but by that action it has helped you in another dimension and sometimes even prepared for that same thing for a future date you know in savitri there these lines fate is truth working out in ignorance this one part and then he says fate is a transaction between 
your soul and nature with God as its forcing arbiter. You know, it gives the secret. What is God seeing? Transaction between soul and nature. Even if the unseen maintains the decree, he, man can accept, he can refuse his fate. Now this is the other secret. Man can accept, he can refuse his fate. Now people ask, oh is it so simple but I have not seen. It doesn't work out. So he says, even if the unseen maintains his decree, he writes thy refusal in his credit page. For doom is not a close, a mystic seal, arisen from the tragic crash of life, arisen from death and stumble and fall. The spirit rises mightier with each defeat. Its godlike wings grow wide with every fall. So even if it doesn't work out, but still our will has grown. So I personally feel if we can push anything in any any aspect of life, this now I am you know generalizing it. Uh, I would like to strive and push for nothing else to simply make my will stronger. And this is what I have learned. You know, people often say uh, Indian thought is so fatalistic. It's just the opposite. <laughs> I mean, Savitri is a living example. <laughs> she doesn't accept death also. Forget about disease. She may have succeeded, she may not have succeeded. But nevertheless, to imagine that somebody strove to fight against death is itself something amazing. 